And um, so, um, Pastor, since you're not teaching today, would you start us off with a word of prayer? No problem. Can everyone hear me? Right. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity once again to come before you in uh, corporate worship. Father, we just ask right now, Lord, that you bless the, the instructor. Lord, we ask that you also anoint our ears as well, Lord, to receive what you have for us on today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. We are going, we are going to get right into our lesson. Uh, as has been pointed out, we still have another lesson in this quarter, which is lesson number 14. Um, but today's lesson is still in another topic of the Messianic prophecy and the unit three of the eternal king. Subject of today's lesson, the Redeemer will come. And our lesson text is taken from the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, verses 1 through 4 and 15 through 21. Related scriptures or background reading is Romans 3, 10 through 18, Acts 2, 32 through 39, and Titus 2, verses 11 through 15. The time of this lesson is about 700 to 695 BC, and the place is Jerusalem. Our golden text, the Redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgressions in Jacob, saith the Lord. That's Isaiah 59 and verse 20. And I believe that I'm going to ask if she will, again, Sister McElwee, if she will read our introduction for us. Uh, she's not available. <laughs> she's not there? Okay. Then uh, I will read it. The introduction reads, My only personal experience in a courtroom consisted of serving on a jury for a man on trial for driving under the influence. It was not a difficult case. We on the jury reached a yeah. unanimous decision within a few minutes. Guilty. Yeah. The evidence against the man was overwhelming, and he ordered no. Re he offered no resistance, no rebuttal. His defense, as one can call it, that was greatly hampered by the fact that he was acting as his own attorney. Only after the verdict was read did the man's precarious situation become clear. This was his third conviction for the same offense, and it meant a mandatory jail sentence. Why did he represent himself when he was so inadequate to do so? It was probably because every attorney he consulted recommended a guilty plea and an, apparent, an appeal for some leniency. Perhaps that would have brought a more favorable outcome for the man, but he insisted on going his own way and no one with no one to represent him. 
thank God, though we were guilty sinners with no one among us adequate to represent us before the Almighty, the Lord himself became our intercessor. So it was by the corrupt people of Isaiah's day to whom the Lord graciously promised his own intercession. Today's lesson has two outlines. The first outline of this lesson is the separation from God found in Isaiah 59 verses 1 through 4 and 15. And the second part is the solution of God found in verses 16 through 21. So that will conclude our opening. And now at this point, we're going to turn it over to the capable hands of our teacher, Elder Michael McElwee. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We have another powerful lesson today. Amen. In regards in the book of Isaiah, we know Isaiah uh, was the greatest prophet, the greatest prophet of all the prophets in the Bible. Isaiah was. I mean, he has sixty-six chapters, uh, seeming like it's like the sixty-six books of the Bible. This man was out uh, was awesome. But nonetheless, amen, his name means the Lord is, uh, uh, Yahweh is, is a savior, something like that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm thinking I'm hitting it right on, on point. Amen. The title of our lesson says that the Redeemer will come. Saints, at, uh, there were turbulent times in Palestine. When I say Palestine, we're talking about all the nations that surrounded Judah and, and Israel. Judah the southern kingdom and, and uh, Israel, the northern kingdom, but it was other nations around. But the Assyrian army at this particular time had invaded that whole territory of Palestine. And at this particular time, more than likely in this lesson, the northern kingdom had already been taken into captivity. Now the threat of this particular nation of the Assyrians was, uh, upon the southern kingdom of Judah. Now we know they already have been taken in captivity the northern kingdom because of, of uh, idolatry and, the, and, and, and just detestable sin after detestable sin. Then they have not one righteous king on the throne to deal with those problems. Dealt with the prophets, they killed them off, this and that. But the whole nation, we can't say everybody was wicked, but uh, the majority of them were. And they were taken into captivity and Assyrian, Assyria had their technique of when they conquered somebody, they take a conquered nation and put them in a conquered nation and just divide the people up so there wouldn't be any type of rebellion. But here we find that, uh, 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 and, and this happened to the Northern Kingdom, we find in 2 Kings, the 17th chapter, However, there was some hope for the Southern Kingdom. Amen, and in a future day where uh, uh, God miraculously would deliver these particular folks, amen, from the Assyrian army. We find that Hezekiah, which was a righteous king, is only, it seemed like the only three mentioned uh, that were righteous, it might've been more, but uh, uh, Uzziah, Josiah, and, and Hezekiah were righteous kings there in the, in the Southern Kingdom. At this particular time, Hezekiah, amen, had prayed to the Lord about the Assyrian ambassadors that came there and, 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 and wreaked 
insults and blasphemies against God. And he prayed to God about it. So God, through Isaiah, said to, to Hezekiah that it, this thing won't last. And uh, long story short, we find that God said, no sooner he got through talking to, uh, through Isaiah to Hezekiah, that a hundred, that night, 185,000 Assyrians died. That relinquished the threat that was against Judah. So, and this brings us to where we are right now in a sense. But uh, we find that the first 39 chapters dealt with all of that. And now we're coming up to, uh, according to our, our, our lesson, it says that there were uh, like 39 chapters where uh, all of this had taken place in Isaiah. Isaiah prophesied about all of that. So, uh, so uh, here in our first outline, which, which is uh, uh, talking about the separation from God. See, we find in Isaiah 58, 3, just for a, a little bit of background, uh, he says that the people said that they had fasted and, uh, and it had afflicted their soul, their souls, and God took no notice, amen, uh, uh, in regards to what the, uh, what the people wanted. And they wanted to know why, amen, God had not seen them or heard them. And Isaiah says that uh, this inaction by God was not his problem. Amen. One, one person said that uh, your uh, uh, adversity doesn't constitute an automatic emergency on my part. Amen. And what he's saying here, that, that, little, that little say right there is saying that your sin, and then you know who I am, does not cause me to automatically bring something about. I'm not going to look down on the prop, your, 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 your uh, complacency. I'm not going to look down on your lethargic ways of how you live and everything. So here he was saying that uh, because you did fast, that wasn't my problem. That was yours. So here in verse 1, amen, it says here, Behold the Lord. The Lord's hand is not short, that it cannot save, neither is his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Here in Isaiah, the first verse of 59, makes it clear that God was more able and willing to save him. And the prophet here uses, because when you look at the hands, uh, uh, the Lord's hands is not short. And it cannot say, we know that he told the woman at the well that uh, she said, well, we worship here on, on Mount Garrison and all that. And Jesus said, uh, and, and y'all worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus said, you're not going to worship here nor in Jerusalem. But uh, uh, it's going to come a point in time where, uh, 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 well, nonetheless, what my point of, of uh, the woman at the well is that Jesus said, you're going to come and worship God. You're not going to worship God down here. Then the main thing, you said, God is spirit. And they that worship God must worship God in spirit and truth. And the only reason why I'm saying that is because we, we look at this uh, hands and these ears of God. And what they were using here is an anthrop, anthrop oh, somebody help me with this, anthropomorphism, amen, which depicts 
uh, God as being like showing the uh, spirit of God in human traits like hands, ears, legs, arms, this and that. Amen. So uh, uh, I want to just stick it out there for right now for this verse. If anybody have any comments or want to do some addition in regards to this first verse. Anybody. I think you already pointed it out, so that the Lord's hand is not short and that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear, mm -hmm. meaning that he has not lost the power to do the things that he can do. Mm -hmm. Anybody else? Amen. Though God has the power to save, right? He hears the cries of people. Amen. And he points out reasons why he did not act, amen, in regards to these folks. And we find in verse two, two uh, was the reason why. He said, but your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins has hid his face from you that he would not hear. Saint, um, sin has always been the culprit, right? And we look back uh, where God said in Genesis uh, 1, 26, I believe, where he said that, uh, let us make man in our own image. Amen. And when he said, let us, he's talking about the Godhead or the triune Godhead. Amen. Let us make man in our image. Amen. And, and, and this was alluding to how man was made. Uh, we look at man was made, amen, in regards to intellect. Man was made in, in regards to emotion. And in this passage today, man was made in uh, free will or given a will. So uh, we, here we find it was a free will that God had given him. And he, you, mankind used that free will that he had to sin against God's command with an open hand and ate of the forbidden what? What did Adam eat? The forbidden, the forbidden fruit, fruit, right? Forbidden fruit. The forbidden fruit. As a result, right? Mankind, amen, mankind struggled. Mankind ended up with a nature problem, a sin nature problem that ever since Adam did that, all mankind has this nature. And this nature is at war with the spirit of the recreated in Christ Jesus man or woman today. He seals us with his Holy Spirit, those who put their trust in the Lord. So this is the problem today. And this is the problem then. And so, but you know, as we go on in that, gen in that Genesis passage, we see in 6.3 of Genesis, the Lord said his spirit shall not always strive with man because truly man is, is, is sinful. And this thing just, uh, uh, though, though he told uh, Noah and his sons to procreate, not Noah necessarily, but his sons to go out and their wives to repopulate the world. Ever since that happened, though God destroyed the world, after, had destroyed the whole world, here he is using Abraham, I mean, uh, Noah's, Noah's sons to repopulate. Did that get rid of the sin nature problem of Adam? No, it did not. 
and it will not get rid of the sin nature problem even in the millennial kingdom because it is it's they going mankind will repopulate the kingdom of god and if they repopulate the kingdom of god there's going to be sin because we find in revelations i know this is just i'm, I'm taking a little minute here but in revelations uh, at the end of it, uh, Satan is being bound in, in, in the beginning of the millennial kingdom. And at the, at the end of the thousand year reign of Jesus, he's loosed. And he's drawing those with the sin nature. Amen. Not all of them, but uh, it was a multitude of them to go against Jesus Christ, who is sitting right there on the throne. And then after that, we said, and then we see the eternal state. He didn't go in and say how he destroyed them. Uh, he, I mean, what, what technique God used, all we see is that it was the eternal state after that. We know it was like a given that God dealt with that situation. So, but God is available and is fully capable, right, of helping his people. <clears throat> he never moves away from his people, does he? Nah. His people always move, always move away from him. Amen. Amen. Verse 2 says, but the iniquities have separated between me and you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he would not hear. And the main reason, but anybody want to take a stab at that first before I comment? Elder Mac, uh, in, the first, in the first two verses, it seems as if... Uh, Isaiah was setting the stage to uh, explain what the problem or what the issue uh, was at hand. And that is that, uh, is that the people, um, just like you stated, had veered away from God and, um, and there was going to be a consequence for that. And uh, he goes on later, as uh, I know that you'll explain, uh, what the solution will be. So it's almost as if this lesson is set up in a, as in a problem, presenting the problem mm -hmm. and going to move to uh, the solution. Right. Yeah, he indicted them in, uh, throughout that book of Isaiah 59. He said, but your iniquities have separated between you and your, and your sins. Amen. Iniquities. Amen. Iniquity is a synonym of sins. That's what the, our lesson said. Is a synonym of sins. And when we look at, uh, he said, and your iniquities have separated uh, between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face. When we look at Ephesians, the second chapter, amen, we don't see iniquities there, but we see transgressions. But we still see sin there, though. He said, if we, God quickened us and made us alive in Christ Jesus, and, and he, had quick, uh, he had quickened us, and uh, 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 when we were dead in trespasses, and sin, this is how it is right now for those who don't know who the Lord is. Dead and trespasses. And sin, trespasses, and that you trespass against God's rule, against God's commandments. Iniquities is saying that what? Uh, it's a separation here. Amen. That, that uh, God, it says, in regards to sin, God is holy. And God has uh, progressively sanctified and positionally sanctified us. Sanctification means separation. So in regards to the believer today, he has positionally sanctified us. How is that? That when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we have a position in heaven right now that you or anybody else can't take you out of. No condition, no circumstance, 
nothing material, nobody can, or nothing can separate you from the love of God. But the sanctification that we have down here, I mean, it's from God as well. And that sanctification comes from our being believers as well. But it's something that you got to do. You got to separate yourself. And these iniquities, they did not do that. Amen. There was a problem anyway because they had the law. You say, well, where was the rituals and where were all these sins? Where are the offerings for these iniquities that I could bring to it? Everything was corrupt. Everything was uh, backlogged, if you will. Amen. In regards to how to restore somebody back into fellowship with God. But their iniquities have suffered in their sins. And then, you know, they go into a, a, a plethora of, of sins here. I mean, and, and God is indicting them on all of this. Amen. See, your eyes are, you see, in verse the main reason why God could not hear their prayers, amen, is clearly stated that, amen, your iniquities have separated and your eyes are too poor, Habakkuk 1.13 says. Your eyes, God, are too poor to approve evil and cannot look upon the wickedness with favor. We know our lesson, this is Psalm 66.18. says, God said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, this is what, uh, uh, not God said, but the, uh, the, the psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Amen. And let, then we did say that it was a sin. It views sin as something twisted. It reviews sin as something distorted, a perversion of God's standard, his ways, his commands. These things that God says, I mean, he gives that, he gives a plethora of them in, in the New Testament. We find them in Galatians 5. We find them in Romans uh, uh, the first chapter where he said his wrath is coming against all ungodliness down here. And when you look at that verse 32, uh, 20, uh, 28 to 32, something like that, all those particular verses in there gives all kind of vices of how we are, why his wrath is coming. And that particular, that whole part of, of chapter one, that starting with 18 verse all the way to 32, He's talking about everything, all these sins, homosexuality, lesbianism, everything, all these things, his wrath, and your, your idolatry is all in there. How you make God to look like bugs and all this kind of stuff. Amen. His wrath is coming. Amen. Are we exempt today? That's a question I want to ask you guys. Uh, <clears throat> Elder Matt, um, what I'm getting out of it, uh, your question that no, we're not exempt today. But what you're saying, it's not God's fault that we don't receive the blessing or we don't hear from him, but it's through our iniquities that we create in an environment where we can be blessed due to the sin nature, the and not only in action but mind and thought. And that's why we are not hearing from him. In other words, that's when he talks about that by his hand is not shortened and neither his ears heavy. It's not on God's parts, but it's on our part because of the sin nature that we're in. Mm -hmm. Amen. Anybody else? So, uh, the idea of God hiding his face from you Amen. This is broken fellowship, my brothers and sisters. Amen. When you're out of fellowship, how do you get out of fellowship 
Amen. Being saved, how do you get out of fellowship? It's sin. Amen. It's sin. It's broken fellowship. You ever felt so convicted, according to John 16, of, in regards to the Holy Spirit? He convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But have you ever felt that uh, when you sin, and uh, I know there's some out there that uh, ain't never did that as Christians, right? Amen. Have you ever felt convicted that uh, uh, in regards to your sin? Say, wow, man, I, I don't feel right. Man, you done broke the standards. Amen. You done broke fellowship with God. He wants to, he wants to reconcile you. This is why he uh, 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 sent the Holy, the Holy Spirit in the first place to bring us back, to get this right. Amen. This is for us today. But these folks right here, they, they just literally out, was out, out, <laughs> out done with the, their, their, uh, the progression of their sin. And it was crazy. They broke everything, all the commandments. And they thought that they would, uh, the, all these abominations, they thought that they could continue to do it. They got so to a point where they became numb to it as if it was the right thing to do. Amen. So he said, therefore, the Lord would not hear. He's going to turn his face from that. Amen. Somebody said that God turned his face on even Jesus on the cross because Jesus took upon the what? The sins of the whole world. God could not look upon sin. He turned his face, he turns his face from it. This is an example for us today. And so it prevents us from enjoying God's continence for us. It, 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 it takes that away. I want to be in the fellowship of the Lord. I feel so good serving the Lord. This is the new nature. The old nature, I thought I was having, a, having fun, but now that I've come into the, the awareness of who God is, I'm having fun the real way, the right way now. And because of these enemies of the flesh, world flesh and the devil, sometimes I get my, find myself wanting to go back, amen, into, into the ways of the world, uh, the nature of sin. And I, I though I haven't, but I have. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. But nonetheless, I'm going on to verse three and four. Anybody have any comments on one and two? Well, uh, Elder, just like you, you keep saying that this, this is for us today, we are in a sense, the nation where we are today, in a sense, is much like uh, Judah was at that time. Judah, they did what they wanted to do, but any time they was in trouble and on hard times, they cried out to the Lord. They prayed. Many times today, people will make prayer a last resort, but they still don't want to do what God say do, but they get to the point where they say, Lord, if you help me out this time, I'll never do it again. But what <laughs> happens? As soon as God delivers them, they get over that situation, they go right back into the same thing. Mm -hmm. And this is what Judah had done over and over again. Because when Hezekiah was king, he when he when the threats came against him, he would cry out to the Lord and the Lord would hear him. But after Hezekiah, Josiah, and all of the good kings were gone, and there was nothing left but evil. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is that? 
Selective memory. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, hey man, who said? What was that? I said selective memory. Oh. Remember what we want remembering here. Amen. When you was make mention about some of the sins and stuff, I, I remember a while back. Uh, <laughs> I was uh, one of those person that you know they had they had this big lottery. I mean, one of the biggest lottery thing. And I'm out of town, ain't nobody know me around. And I thought, and I just, man, see no problem just buying one ticket, just, just one. And Lord, if I buy one, I'm going to do this to the church and that. And, and then I'm going <laughs> to do this and help the poor, you know. And, and no, they just, and I, I, I went up there and to just buy one, just one ticket. And I tell you, the woman told me, she said, you should be playing. I'm saying, wait a minute, you don't know me, you in Ohio, I'm in Michigan. Uh -huh. You know me. Mm. And, <laughs> and I tell you, I was convicted. <laughs> uh -huh. I, I, I bought the ticket. <laughs> I was going back to my truck just praying, Lord, please, please, Lord, don't let me hit, don't, don't let, don't pull this ticket. <laughs> And I tell you, but it, it was just a, a something that which it just showed you how you be convicted. You know when you're wrong and how you try to convince yourself of that. And then I think with me at that time, what really got my attention was that it was just like I had a a, a burning pain right in my chest. And as soon when I said, "Okay, Lord, okay," it left, and and I'd never forget that. And that was something that I never had experienced before. And I knew this, that wasn't the way that I definitely was supposed to go. Mm -hmm. Amen. Anybody else? Verse three says, well, you're perfect. Amen. Says, well, your, verse three, bro, your hands have defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity, iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice. No, he ain't pleaded for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They, they conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. Amen. Here in verse three, uh, it goes in to show the human parts of the, uh, of the body. He says, and your, these folks were guilty of an array, amen, of sins, personal and national. And the Lord enumerated on them in regards to the blood, your fingers, Amen. And seemingly everything, everything associated with the body, amen, was defiled. The fingers, right? The hands and lips. Amen. One writer said this. These particular parts of the body should have been used as instruments of prayer. And instead of being used as instruments of murder and deceit. Instead, they sacrificed their children in the fire and all of that, which is akin, somebody might say, to uh, abortion today, though you have le uh, uh, some uh, play, uh, you know, it's, uh, abortion is not all bad. It all depends on what type of abortion you're getting. It meant to eat property to save your life. Uh, uh, if, if it's like a disease or something like this, I, you know, I don't know. But if there are abortions that you can have, but these illegal abortions, I just don't want the child. 
That's just like taking your child and casting them into the fires of Molech or Chemosh. Back then, these guys are fire. And this is what these guys were doing. And they didn't think, they didn't have no conviction at all about the things that they were doing. And the wrath of God was coming against them. So instead, they sacrificed, like they're their children. Their children are a gift from God, are they not? And when this metaphor, when we see these small parts of our bodies, our innocence while are innocent, but the whole person, now my hand might be innocent. I remember it says somewhere, if your eye did, uh, offends you, cut, pluck it out. If your hand does something, cut it off. Amen. These small parts of our body are seem like they're like almost like innocent or insignificant. But overall, the sin nature, amen, permeated the whole body. So the whole body of the man, the whole body of the woman is sin. The whole body of the man, the whole body of a woman is a sinner. If you're a man or a woman down here today, you are a sinner. And you are a sinner saved by grace if you're a Christian. Nonetheless, anybody else? When I always said the perverseness there, amen, uh, muttered perverseness. Uh, these, this perverseness, amen, is uh, uh, of the will which prevents enjoyment of God in light of his continence, of his, 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 his presence of the Lord. You, you can't really get into the fellowship of the Lord because you've done sometimes immoral or pervertedness or perverseness in regards to the distortion or something like that of, of the truth. You cannot get into uh, uh, fellowship with God with these things going on in your, in your heart. See, out of the heart, the mouth speaking. And then what did Jeremiah say in 714? He said, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who? And this is, this is not only for, amen, unsaved folks. It's for Christians today as well. Anybody else? Verse 4. It says here, none calleth for justice, nor pleadeth for truth. They trust in what? Vanity. And speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. That word is again, as in the last three verses, iniquities, iniquity, iniquity. Amen. It's a trinity of iniquities here. But he says, they calleth for justice. None calleth for justice. They didn't know how, nor any pleaded for truth. They were not doing what was right. They weren't telling them they were speaking. Some, it said earlier they were speaking lies. They trusted in vanity. Amen. They, and, 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 and we're right here again. It says, speak lies. They conceived mischief. Like we said, Romans 8, 29, 18 and 29, those particular verses, it said God's wrath is coming against that nonsense. No one could claim innocence in this, in, this, in this particular verse. Everybody did what they thought was right, just like during the antediluvian period. Everybody thought, uh, amen, what, they did everything that they thought, they thought was right in their own eyes. Though Hezekiah, I know Sister Radcliffe mentioned, was a godly king at this particular time, there very well could have been a remnant of folk as well, but, but that wasn't enough, amen, to turn 
the destiny that was due them or the tide, amen, of judgment that was due them in regards to this corrupt nation. Amen. When, when there's, I said it earlier in regards to the Assyrians, it could have been somebody there that wasn't really following after these gods, and, but the majority was. And so you were caught between a rock and a hard place if you was there. You couldn't leave. There was a siege going on. So you just went in with them. And it's the same thing that's getting ready to happen, happen to the southern kingdom of Judah. More than likely, it could have been some remnant of righteous people there. Everybody wasn't like that, probably. And why would I say that? It's because in verse 15, he says, Yea, truth faileth. And he that departeth from evil maketh himself a prey. What is he saying there? Anybody, take that for, for a moment. If you try to do the right thing, you're going to become a victim. Mm -hmm. Amen. Anybody else? It was, like I said, there was some folks there during that time that did not want to adhere to that nonsense. And if they... And when, it, when push came to shove and they was put into a place where they had to uh, join forces with the wicked, they refused. Yeah, they were probably beat up, dragged out, dragged down, talked about. A lot of this went on. It was like spiritual suicide. But the drumbeat of sin was marching on as rampant as it could be. And they had the, the Elder Winston said, the immigrated in, in, in gall to think that God uh, uh, should uh, just overlook all of this and deliver them from the Assyrian nation. And that was terrible. But they was doing their own folks like that, these innocent folks. Everybody else was in cahoots. But then there were some that were not. But verse 15 said, yeah, truth faileth, and he that departs from evil maketh himself a prey. So you setting yourself out there as, as lion's meat. And the Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no judgment. God saw this. God saw this. Amen. He says, even if someone tried to uh, follow God's law in this particular environment, they would be dragged down by all societal sin. Amen. And we can say that for us today. Second Thessalonians 3.13 is my brothers that went on with the Lord, Elder Williamson, says, be not weary, what? In well-doing. You will reap if you what? Faint not. See, there is no one to could intervene on these folks' behalf. They couldn't. Amen. Could nobody intervene for them? Because there was nobody righteous to do it. If they, it wasn't nobody apparently in position of justice, amen, that was righteous, that could. If you were righteous, you, were, you probably was trying to hide from these folks that's trying to take advantage of you. So the leadership and all of that was, was, was corrupt. So, you know, uh, uh, all of this, amen, was, was a problem. It was a big time problem. And God saw that. And he wasn't pleased with it, that there was no 
people in position of a judicial system to deal with it. People can get over it. People can steal from you. People can jump on you. Uh, probably the, the, those in there were, uh, that were raped. All these, all these particulars. It was a lot of of sin that was going on in in, the, in uh, is, uh, Judah at this particular time. Now Judah now, had. Go ahead. Go ahead. And and the people that were in authority over them actually was exploiting them themselves. They were using them, you know, pretty much like our court systems today. <laughs> if you got the right lawyer, it doesn't matter what you've done. You can get off, right? It's about, it's not about justice. Uh-uh. No. <laughs> you know, so that a lot of that was going on. If we read those, those verses in between four and, and 15, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, you know, you think about that. You made a good point then. I know it was in the lesson. Yeah, the judicial system today. You know, uh, it's it's about uh well, this is my job. But uh, you're a defense lawyer, and I want you know, are you only going to be defense defending somebody that 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 in regards to something that's right or a criminal, a drug dealer or something like that? And he calls you and he hires you. Amen. So are you going to turn that down? All depends on, I guess, your spiritual relate, uh, what type of uh, relationship you have with God. Because if, if you got a relationship with God, I couldn't see you doing that. Amen. Just to make some money, I, I have to turn this one down. But then who, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Amen. I don't know of anybody that uh, uh, it, it was in that category that would have done something like that or have done something like that. That was a Christian. I don't know anybody. No. Uh, yeah, we don't have to try to research that, but nonetheless, <laughs> Amen. So he says that uh, uh, in verse sixteen. Anybody else have anything on fifteen? And he said and he saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Therefore, his arm, Amen. Therefore, his arm, praise God brought salvation unto him and his righteousness is sustained. Mm-hmm. Amen. These guys in uh, Israel have had gotten, is it, is it Israel? Could we say it was Israel at this particular time? Or are we looking forward to a future time right now? Because if we look in the Bible in regards to the Southern Kingdom right now, what happened to the Southern Kingdom? We know from the Bible that I think it was Babylon, I don't think I know it was Babylon, that had ended up taking them into captivity. So where would this verse right here (laughs) fit in? Amen. God is using this verse as an object lesson in regards to how he sees the whole wide world. This is how he see it, amen. And it's like that. It's so corrupt today. I remember John MacArthur said, has God abandoned the United States? Just, just our country. And as you uh, just look, look over it, look at all that has been going on in this country. Amen. Are we, uh, all that we said, we, we, uh, we had the national and God bless them, all this kind of stuff. Amen. Are we living up to these, these particular uh, uh, songs and, and uh, this is my country and all this. Are, are we doing all of this in regards to who God is? We don't see that. We don't see that. So we have to look at verse 16 as a future event. 
And he saw that there was no man, right? God did. And wondered that there was no intercessor. Now check this out. Amen. From the time of Abraham, right? Time of Abraham. He said, I'll make you a great nation that you will bring all nations to me. Verse 12, chapter 12 and chapter 15, I believe, because he, he ratified that in a covenant. And then, and then, you know, uh, we find that uh, even his own people went into captivity for 400 years. But this thing didn't stop with Israel. We find out that that wasn't true. We find out that uh, 116 of Romans said that Jews and Gentiles are one in Christ. Amen. Salvation has come to the whole world through one man. So he said there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. We find that who is uh, uh, Jesus lives forever to be our intercessor. We find that in Romans in the eighth chapter, Romans the fifth chapter. We find Jesus being an intercessor. Amen. But therefore his arm brought salvation unto him. What arm? What are they talking about there? Whose arm is, is God? Because we say God is spirit. Right? <laughs> you can't see a spirit. Amen. But he said, therefore his arm brought salvation. Anybody want to stab that? I just wanted to mention, I, I was going to go back to the beginning portion of verse 16, where it emphasized in the expositor that um, when God wondered, that didn't mean that God was surprised by any means. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, amen, I, amen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Go ahead. Amen. I was just backing up what uh, uh, Sister Tammy was and saying because leader, I bring that up. Sure, he knew what was going on. It was just an emphasis, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, God, God never surprised, is he? Right, right. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And and uh, you asked about the arm in this particular uh, verse, mm -hmm. and, and as pointed out in our expository, it says that. The arm means the power of God, God's power and God's alone to bring an intercessor. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh, uh, brother, uh, Elder, Elder, um, did you want to? Did you want to say something? No, I was in agreement. I'm glad Tammy brought that out. Oh, okay. I mean, because God, you don't have to wonder. You know, he, what is doing? The Holy Spirit is allowing us to be in God's thoughts, to see through Isaiah as to how he was setting this up, how he began to work his power down through generation mm -hmm. in order to bring this sin nature thing uh, in check. And, and he was just reminded of God's power, you know, is that this nothing is too, you know, that, that is uh, too powerful for God. And and so everything everybody was saying was right on point. Amen. Amen. And he saw that there was no man, amen, qualified, and wondered that there was no intercessor that was qualified. None. And so he's checking those two off, right? So God steps in now. He says, therefore, because of all of verse 1, Two, or we can go all the way back to the fifth year, all the way back to the first uh, uh, chapter of Isaiah and all the way to the end. 
we know in 53, he's talking about a suffering servant. This is before this lesson. And all that, what a, surf, a suffering servant's gonna, so when, you, when he said his arm, therefore his arm brought salvation, we know God in regards to the plan of salvation. We see God planning salvation, don't we? Amen. And then we see the Trinity involved in all of this. God planned it, salvation. Jesus provided salvation. And Jesus has the supplies of his salvation by the Holy Spirit. So we see here that the arm of the Lord, which is alluding to Jesus Christ, because God only planned salvation. Jesus brought it. How did he bring it? He went to the cross and died. John 3, 16, and if you believe that, amen, thou shalt be saved. And his righteousness, imputed righteousness. I know it, we said that uh, uh, your righteousness is filthy rag, Romans 6, uh, Isaiah 64. But it was God's righteousness in regards to what he has, what he's doing in regards to those sinners in the world then, uh, even today, and even into the future. So this, his righteousness would sustain him. How is that going to sustain you? If you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, how is that sustaining you? Sustaining you? How, how does it sustain you? Amen. We have all the precious promises of God down here on the face of this earth. Everything that of all who God is, everything of all who the triune God here, Jesus, Holy Spirit, amen, Holy Spirit in us, Jesus Christ in the hope of glory. This sustains us. Like I said earlier, nothing can separate you from the Lord. He has sustained you. Right here, he says he's, he brought salvation of us to, unto us through Jesus Christ, which is a future thing here. Amen. It's a future thing here. And this was this is what Isaiah is bringing up. He's prophesying that it's going to be a future intercession. Amen. We find that Stephen, well, we said in the first chapter of uh, Acts, the, right around the, I think it was the 11th verse, where Jesus ascended up to heaven and he's sitting on the right hand of the Father making what? Intercession for the saints. Stephen said in the seventh chapter of Acts that he seen, saw Jesus standing. Welcome, with his open arms, welcome, welcoming him in because they stoning him to death. He's getting ready to, to, to uh, die in the Lord. They couldn't stand him to even say something like that. And that's when they reached out and started stoning him and gnashing at him and everything. But nonetheless, amen, his righteousness sustains us today. God, does, God, he don't ignore the sin, amen. He doesn't, he deals with it in just two ways, amen. He fights evil in the world, amen, with zeal. 
the zeal of the Lord. The zeal of the Lord. Let me, I, I had wrote it down in one of my books here. Here it is. It says the zeal of great energy, amen, or enthusiasm. This is God in pursuit of a cause or an objective. God, I mean, he, I mean, is just pouring out of him. He want to do something about the situation. It's such a zeal, and this is the zeal of the Lord that we should have to want to do something about wrong, the, the sin that's in this world. Go out and preach the gospel, the, using the zeal of the Lord to do it. The boldness of God. Amen. And you know say This right here, the zeal of the Lord, the arm which brought salvation and his righteousness, it will sustain you in these last days. We stay in the word and the word will build you up. I mean, do you believe the word? Believing the word brings confidence in God. Amen. Verse 17. If anybody have anything with verse 16. See, he, he, I like that comment that you said, believing the word brings confidence in God, because in a time such as this that we're in, and it's so much mental stress that most of us are experiencing, mm. believing in God and reading the word brings confidence. And that is such a blessing that we have to be able to go to the word and to go to God to sustain us in a time like this. Mm -hmm. Amen. So uh, 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 when you go to verse 17, but before I go there, yeah, verse 17. And he put on righteousness. Anybody else have anything for 16? So this righteousness that God put on, he's putting it on as a blessed breastplate and a helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on what? Garments of vengeance. For clothing, as and was clad with zeal. I just got to. I, I, I went ahead of myself on that one. As a cloak, Amen. As a cloak, God does not ignore sin, but deals with it in two ways. Uh, and, but see, we find Him here using the armor of God. The armor of God in verse seventeen, where He put on righteousness. Amen. And this is telling us, amen, that we should clothe ourselves with the whole armor of God in Ephesians, the sixth chapter. He did say that 6, 13 and 17, but it's, it, it, the, the, and we know our weapon is the word of God. But nonetheless, he's saying here in verse 17, put on, the, put on righteousness as a, breast, as a breast, breastplate. Amen. Sometimes even though we've been imputed with, G, with the righteousness of Christ, because he took our sin upon himself and gave us his righteousness, right? And gave us his righteousness. He says, use that. You got that, man. Use that as a breastplate. And it's protecting, amen, the, the in, in, that, that part of your body, your heart, all these, the, the midsection and everything, all of this right here is what the breastplate the breastplate is doing, amen, it, it, for, for you, amen, as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation to guard your head, amen. Uh, though the Jews uh, during Jesus' time was expecting a Messiah to come, 
that was like a, a, a on a white steed, amen, to destroy their enemies at that particular time. And this is what this reminded me of in regards to how God is clothed with armor. Amen. Armor. Amen. Girding Amen. up himself for battle. Amen. He's getting ready to do battle. Amen. With sin. Amen. Though we have a pandemic right now in this country. Amen. And then they said that, uh, what is it, the antidote or the vaccine for it is not yet arrived. But this, this, this pandemic is no respect of persons, Christian or not. Amen. And it's the sin problem that Jesus here is dressing up for. Amen. This is the pandemic right here in this lesson. He's dressing up for the sin problem that's on the face of this earth right now. And he's equipping us to look at this and say, you, you clothe yourself like this as well in Ephesians the sixth chapter. You get it right, man, because this is how you got to go out every day. Uh, El Matt, could I say something? Yes, yes, sir. Oh, okay. Uh, you're right in what you're saying here because uh, as I interpret this, it's more or less God is telling us that what he have put in his champion, you know, Jesus right, is right. his champion and our champion. He's going to fight our battle. It's almost like back in the days when David fought Goliath, you know, how the two champions uh, squared it off. We have a champion here today, you know, with the breastplate of righteousness, mm -hmm. the helmet of salvation on his head, mm -hmm. you know, put on the garment. God said he has suited him up to fight our battles and whatever we're going through. And like you say today, mm -hmm. you know, through this pandemic and all of that, that he's still in the mix is fighting for us, you know, with the zeal that of his power and Holy Spirit. So all these points and all these, or well, what he's bringing out is just giving us part of the attributes of God, what he has put in his champion, Jesus Christ. Amen. So he said here, in verse 17, one, one time, he, God does not ignore, amen, our sin. Amen. He doesn't. And he deals with, like I said, in two ways. He, first, he fights the evil in the world with his zeal. He is so geeked to want to deal with that because, amen, he got some folks here now, amen, Christians, who could do this work that should have been done way back. You got some Old Testament saints that did it. Don't get, I, I'm not going to exclude them. But today we have a church, amen, that can have the zeal of the Lord to do a work for God. And God is geeked to do this. this zeal. And he said, I'm going to wreak havoc now on this nonsense. Now I can go ahead and do it. Vengeance is mine, he says. I'm going to repay. I'm going to repay. And he uses vengeance as clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Amen. He was ready. And he knew that he was going to go out here and fight a battle for us. Amen. So when we are Christ-like, right? Amen. That's what a Christian, Amen. the definition of that means. Amen. We are Christ-like. So he says to put on the whole armor, amen, and, and, and use it, amen, to fight the good fight of faith. We've been recreated now recreated 
though we have two two different two natures one has been has been recreated though the one that's going to get us in heaven is is in christ jesus so we mimic everything about what god does we mimic that we can't duplicate it we just got to mimic it and mimicking is enough for god because you are putting your putting the effort in it to be to do what to keep god's commandments and to do what he says uh, stay holy separated from sin you you're doing all these particulars now he's, since god is putting on the armor i gotta put on it i gotta wield the sword of the word amen i gotta live for the lord so we he uses christ is using this god and through christ is using the armor of god to fight his battle right now so according to their deeds according to verse 18 according his to their deeds according to accordingly he will repay fury to his adversaries recompense to his enemies he will repay fury to his adversaries what does that mean he said the lord is compensation go ahead whoever they repay The Lord assures his people. Did somebody still want to say something? I don't want to cut you off. Amen. The Lord assures his people that he will repay, right? His enemies, according to their deeds, his judgments will be far reaching. Amen. Meaning that to the ends of the world. Everybody on the faith, we see when Jesus comes back to set up his kingdom, the Mount of Olives was split in two. The nations of the world, this is what we're talking about. These guys, amen, his adversaries. Is he going to unleash some fury? And we find in Matthew, the, I believe it's the 25th or 24th chapter, where it's a sheep and goat judgment. It's going to be a sheep and goat. These enemies of God are goats. And it's going to be a sheep and goat judgment. And this, is, this thing is future. Amen. He would be he bring recompense. What do you mean by recompense? What, what is what does that word mean? There, that, that particular word to his enemies. Anybody? Is that from the root word compensation? Say that again. Uh, the root word of compensation. The root word of compensation. Yes. Yeah. Repay. Yeah. Well, he's gonna. He's so gonna there will, according to the the deeds that they have done, this is how they're gonna be judged, right? Right. According to their deeds, according to what they have done, the adversaries. That's what. And if we go into the Book of Revelations, uh, when we talk about degrees of punishment, it's based on. The, the the degrees of what they've done is that right yeah they're going to be compensated for the things they have done amen he's going to be he's going to be he's going to bring recompense uh, uh he's going to deal justly amen with those uh of his enemies amen and and to the islands he will repay these guys are going to he, he's going to deal with the whole world in regards to that, I can say it's going to be a sheep and goat judgment. Amen. You're going to have those during the 
during the during rep in 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 revelations you got 144,000 that's going to go around preaching the word right and you're going to have some souls that are going to be saved out of that okay and so these souls that have gotten saved were enemies of god they were enemies of god and uh uh he's going to bring but those who did not adhere to the 144,000 He's going to repay them. Amen. He's going to repay them. And we find out, he said, the, 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 the goats are those who are not saved. And the sheep are who are going to be ushered into the millennial kingdom, the sheep. The sheep on his right, the goats on his left. And the rest of the nations, he's going to destroy with the word of his mouth. This is some recompense right here. The islands, he will repay those who did not hear. Who didn't want to, even though the word, just like even now, they don't want to hear you. They don't want to hear that. Amen. You get ridiculed. This is what was happening at this particular city in the lesson. Amen. They they could they couldn't say anything. They was just like uh committing spiritual suicide, trying to live right in the midst of, of wickedness. Amen. This is the same thing that's happening, that will be happening in a future time. So he said that the fear, the fear, so they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. And when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up the standing. What is this saying? Let me, let me give you a synopsis once again. In Revelations, we see the millennial kingdom being Jesus setting that up. Amen. Jesus is setting that up. Amen. <laughs> so it's the whole world, right? But before I go any further, anybody want to comment on that before I go ahead? Well, just like what we were saying earlier, when he said when the enemy comes in like a flood, that the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Like I say, he will repay you know, he, he would deal with them. Uh, we won't be able to, but but he would deal with it through Jesus Christ. Anyone else? Though in the millennial kingdom, I said it earlier probably that um, um, once they, uh, Satan is gonna be bound this and that, but more than likely, even before then, amen. Uh, the Lord, He said, they they, they gonna come. You know, it's like, it's like uh, age of age of information right now in regards to technology. Amen. Seeing Jesus come back, Amen. And I was saying, asking Elder Williamson at one time, I said, "Man, what is this saying? Uh, Jesus uh, can uh, how will we be able to see? Or do we have to go to Jerusalem, where the Mount of Olives is, to see Jesus coming back down?" And we know that God is a God of the supernatural, of the miraculous. God is the God of, of the supernatural. If Jesus comes back down to earth, which is around, is round, miraculously, we'll be able to see Jesus wherever we are on the face of this earth, miraculously coming back down. So he's going to judge those folks that see him coming back down like that, because uh, you got those who are Magog and God that's attacking Israel, more than likely it will be, one, be them too that more than likely will come against Jesus. Who's to say that the United States wouldn't be in that? 
Amen. And thinking that it's a, a foreign, an alien. And then even though it's being said probably by preachers, <laughs> that this is, this is the Lord coming back. Here it says in the Bible, he would come back like this. But he said he, uh, he's going to, uh, uh, from, from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun, when the Lord's enemies should come in like a flood, he's going to lift up a standard against them. And that standard is what? This is the way it has to be. This is what's going to, the, the standard is uh, a combination of Christ's zeal for his people and the power to deliver them in a victorious image. Amen. And, and, and it says here, the Lord here is uh, in these last two verses. Amen. But before I go there, he said he will lift up a standard against them, meaning that uh, Christ uh, uh, is a combination of Christ's zeal for his people and his power to deliver them in a victorious image that, that they at that particular time can cling to in times of hardship. They can cling to the Lord. This is a standard that they can cling to, this standard that the Lord has. There's a standard that we adhere to today, and it's uh, what thus said the Lord in his word. And uh, we, we cling to that standard. This thing, you said the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. So we, we can't, uh, uh, in regards to lifting up a standard, amen, I know I'm past time, but I'm trying to hurry up. Uh, against against the Lord, he uh, this is what he's going to do. He's going to lift up this standard, and he's going to deal with them. And the Redeemer shall come, verse 20, unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. God is going back to Abraham. So what is a Redeemer? When we look at our, our uh, Jewish aspects in our, in our Bible, it says in that last paragraph, he says the Redeemer... It says, Gagal shall come to the Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. There are other translations of Zion, including on the count of Zion and out of Zion. The verse is clear, though, that the Redeemer is the Messiah, will redeem his people and turn them from their sins. Amen. When we look at Ruth and Boaz, that's a, that was a good example that they had in the book of Ruth where uh, uh, Boaz was the kinsman redeemer. It was somebody that had a right to the, the, the heritage there that was a relative of Naomi. But he said, if you want to take this property, then if you want to take this property, Boaz set him down and 12 other official uh, uh, people, uh, I believe are leaders in the community and set them down and told them this is what he wanted to do. He wanted to redeem the, the land that, that uh, Naomi had, but it couldn't happen unless another close relative of Naomi gave it up. And though it, uh, uh, Boaz was a relative, but he wasn't as close as the other guy. And so he did this. They, they agreed on, on the, uh, the transcripts. He said, if you, don't tra if you don't agree to this, then, Naomi, then Ruth will have to become a wife of yours. He didn't want that. He said, I don't want this because it's going to mess up my inheritance uh, in, in other areas. So he said, well, if you don't want it, I'll take it. Mm -hmm. And so we find out that Boaz redeemed. So he redeemed 
uh, Naomi's, uh, the property that Naomi had, and he took Ruth for his wife. He was a kinsman redeemer, just like Jesus is our kinsman redeemer today. Yeah. Amen. He redeemed us from sin. Amen. We were out there, saints. Amen. We didn't know. We, we, didn't, we, didn't, we were lost. Dead, Ephesians 1 and, and, and 2 said. Uh, dead and we went our own way. But God, amen, saw the need. Amen. While we were yet sinners, Romans 8, Romans 5, he died for, he redeemed us. Galatians 4, 4, born of a woman, born under the law, came to redeem those under the law. That was us. We were under the law. He is our kinsman redeemer, amen, in these last days. And he said, verse last word, that's for me, and, and this is my covenant with him, saith the Lord. My spirit is, that is upon thee, and my words which I put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of the seed seed. We spread the word to our children. Our children spread the word. We got to be make sure, make sure that you are thorough in presenting the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is very important, amen, because this is, this is Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, that, that procedure, those, those uh, they line up. So what did we talk about today? Amen. What did we talk about today? We looked at uh, uh, how it started out, how Israel was wicked, amen, and how they uh, separated themselves from God and how God could Showed how he can bring them back their, their iniquities and, and, and they, they, they were defiled. They used all of their body parts to do the wickedness and these, these uh, uh, in, uh, sins that they committed, and perverse, being perverse. Amen. And then the Lord said, because uh, there was no judgment, there's nobody that brought justice. He said, okay, I'm going to be the person that brings this justice to, to, to my people. I'm going to do it. It's a future thing. And he said, my arm, is, which is Jesus Christ, is going to bring salvation to the world. And this is what he said. He's going to put righteous. He's going to put on these things. as a, He's going to be a warrior doing this thing. And he's going to be the zeal of the Lord. He's going to be so in geek to do this for mankind because he so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. He said, he's going to do this according to He's going to deal with them according to their deeds. He's going to repay fury. He's going to do all of this. He said, the, so he gave the solution. I'm going to be, I'm going to come. My son is going to come to redeem this world. 16 through 21. He's going to come and he's my kinsman redeemer. And those who put their trust in the Lord, amen, he will save them. Do we have any more comments or any addition to, to the lesson? If not, we're going to go ahead and turn it back over to Sister Ratcliffe. Thank you, Elder Mac. Again, as pointed out in the beginning, it's a very, very, another good lesson and timely, and we can all look at it and see ourselves at some point, I am sure. Mm -hmm. So at this point, um, it, it, it is just that the purpose of this lesson, of course, is to, to teach us that just like, um, just like Israel, our sins of us were separated us from God, but God has sent us his son to redeem us, to reconcile us back to him. 
So at this time and at this point, if there is one on this conference or in this Sunday school class that know at this point your sins are separating you from God and you want to make a transition, you want to make that right by coming back to the Lord, now is the time. You don't have to do it over this Zoom, but you know how to get in touch with the elders of the church. So my plea to you today is that if that is you and if you're on this call, please make an attempt because God is waiting. It is sin that separates us from God. And if we don't repent of our sins and accept Jesus Christ, the provision that he has made, we will be separated eternally. So that's what I would like for all of us to get out of this lesson because that is the application to embrace the truth that salvation is found only in Jesus Christ who has redeemed us from sin. He died to redeem us, but we must accept him as our redeemer, as our Lord and Savior. And again, if there is one that needs to do that, I urge you to please reach out and do that. That's all that I have. Pastor, did you have any comments? And no further comments. No further comments. Uh, Elder Lester. Yes. Yeah, I'd like to comment on you. If you will just dismiss us with a word of prayer. Sure. Amen. <clears throat> 